Yama. Welcome to Blackademia, a podcast of yarns with First Nations academics of these lands now commonly referred to as Australia. I'm your host, Amy Tunig. I'm a Gamilaroi woman, and I begin by paying my respects to elders past and present, and to the lands on which this podcast is recorded and streamed. Listeners are advised that this podcast, its associated website and social media presence may contain the voices and or images of First Nations people who have since passed. Discretion is advised. This is episode six of season one of Blackademia. And joining me on today's episode is Gamilaroi woman, Carly Alinta Noon. Carly Noon was the first Indigenous female to graduate with a double degree in maths and physics. She has worked as a science communicator for eight years and was awarded an advanced master's of astronomy and astrophysics degree in 2019 from the Australian National University. Carly was announced one of the 2017 BBC's 100 Women, a 2019 Emerging Leader in Science Eureka Prize nominee and a 2019 ACT Young Australian of the Year finalist. Carly is an advocate for Indigenous knowledge systems and has researched the astronomic knowledge deeply embedded within Indigenous culture by considering European and Indigenous accounts of moon halos. Carly is currently working on co-writing a book on Indigenous astronomy with Professor Dwayne Hamaka and aims to commence a PhD in astronomy in 2020. Yamabawa, thank you for joining me on Blackademia. Ah, thank you so much for having me. So you and I are sisters from the same mob. And I am so inspired by your bio. Um, but before we get into your formal academic role, can you please tell me about who's your mom and tell me a little bit about your family life? Yeah, so I guess you touched on this for people who know you. Um, I'm a Gamilaroi woman. I was born and raised in Tamworth, New South Wales by my mum um, and my grandma and my aunties and my sister. <laughs> um lived there until I kind of left home at 18. Um, we've got family ties up, up a bit more north to Mulready and then, um, you know, on the coast and a little bit all over the place. Um, I, uh, when I left home, I moved to a Warbickal country in uh, Newcastle. Um, so spent about eight years there. So very much also consider that a part of kind of, where I call home <laughs> um, and now I'm I'm based on beautiful Ngunnawal country and I'm a little bit new to Ngunnawal country or oh, Nambri country of course I've only been here for about three nearly three years um, and it's definitely yeah it's, it's it feels like a real blessing to be here to be honest it's, um, yeah there's a lot of a lot of really good things to love about being in um, in Canberra um, yeah, where I live with my, my partner, George, and not Indigenous man, um, but born and raised in Canberra, and my little, my little dog, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is beautiful. Um, so you and I have, I think, a really sweet little connection, which we only really recently discovered. So I started following your work particularly because my daughter wants to be an astrophysicist. And to me, that's like saying that she wants to be fluent in Latin. Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about any of those things. Um, and we did ask her one day, like, where did this idea come from? And she had said, oh, I saw a show on TV and it was a day in the life of an astrophysicist and it just looked amazing and I really want to do that. 
And so I think you and I had kind of been chatting and connecting a little bit online for like coming up to a year when I was in the bathroom and my daughter comes and she knocks on the door and she's like, mom, that show's on. You've always asked me, you know, who was the person? And so I bolt up, you know, towel on, out of the shower, run up, and it was you. (laughs) I I honestly cried when you told me, hey, I was, I... Like, you, you know, you kind of get a sense of what what you're doing when you're doing it right. You, you kind of get a sense of, you know, you're trying to um, instigate change and you're trying to have real impact, but, you know, you never really know you're behind a, a camera or you're behind, you know, your Twitter account or whatever. It's hard to really get a sense of, you know, whether that was meaningful or not. Um, so when I saw that, I was just like, wow, that's... That's so moving. <laughs> well, what was really, really cool was I then turned to her and I said, Esther, you know she's a Gomorrah woman? And she was like, she's Gomorrah like me? And I was like, yeah, she's our Baba. Like, that's, I know her, that's Carly. That's, and she was like, she was just so, like, for her, that connection, you know, she's so strong in culture and she's so proud to be Gomorrah. Mm. And, for her, it just made it even more exciting. And uh, it was so special to be able to say to you, you know, it was it was a show that you were on and it was you sharing your thing that then came into my home. And, you know, I was obviously, <laughs> I was probably working in the study and didn't even see it, uh, but it really touched her. And, you know, who knows in 10 years when she's, you know, ready for uni, if that will still be the path that she'll be on, it's woken her up to it and I mean you know now in the last year we've we've had to convert her room into like a space room so her (laughs) roof her roof's painted dark um blue and she has like all the planets hanging from it which you know it lights up and uh you know she's really into it for now and I just think you know it's 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 broadening her horizons um yeah yeah and that's all I could really hope for hey like like my goal with a lot of the work I do is just to raise representation not just of women but you know of um you know, an Aboriginal person in in this realm where we're we're usually not included or invited to. So you know that that's always the goal. But to you know hear that this this little girl, <laughs> um, and especially you know this little boy girl, yeah. um, wants to get into you know science for me is is such a like I I put so much hope into into the field of science um you know hope for our future so to hear that to hear you know um this little gomery girl is wants to get into science that that that's it for me that's as good as it gets so tell me how did you get into science yeah sure so it's been a really wild ride to be honest with you (laughs) um i yeah, school was pretty weird for for us, for my family. It wasn't really a necessity in life. It wasn't it wasn't anything really. It was just kind of something that we, we had to do until, you know, we we could leave. Um and so like I never really approached school with any seriousness or anything like that. Um and it kind of got to the point where it was actually starting to be at my detriment, um, like going to school itself. It was, it was kind of, it, you know, and this is, this is a lot of people's story. I'm 
both are not unique in this, but um, bullying was quite bad. Um, and, you know, it was coming from the people who were supposed to be my friends. And it was just kind of, um, I just kind of, I'd lost a, a big um, part of my support network at that time. I was about 13. Um, and the bullying just got so much worse when I was, you know, going through that grief. Um, because kids don't, don't really understand mental health. <laughs> well, I don't think these kids understood mental health. Whereas, you know, I'd kind of been in that, that place for a few years by that point. Um, and so, you know, it just wasn't a really safe place for me. So I ended up leaving school and not something that I recommend to, you know, anyone, but um, for me at that time, it was just kind of the only option I had. And just to kind of peel and, and recover from what I was going through. And, you know, I took, I did that. I, I took some space and took some time and went and did that. And, you know, there's also family responsibilities going on and all that stuff. And um, throughout it all, you know, I kind of engaged with learning a little bit differently to how I had ever before. Um, and I had always really enjoyed maths, which was an incredible gift that um uh, an auntie gave me she gumariani she was my grandma's um good friend at the time and she would come over when i was younger and she would you know teach me maths and teach me english and we could quickly decided that you know i didn't need english and would stick with the maths and i just loved it i loved um i loved the topic but i also loved how she made it fun and you know it was enjoyable and i at that stage like learning was never fun like at yeah. school it was never enjoyable um so you know she kind of gave me this gift and showed me that you know learning can be fun um and I kind of took that with me when I left school and really started to engage with her independently um and I was at TAFE but you know it's a lot more independent than at school and that kind of drove me to do much harder maths and um you know it kind of got to the point of TAFE where they just couldn't support that anymore um in the course I was doing and they really encouraged me to go back to school so I did um went back to a school that was much more appropriate for me it was kind of in my my neighborhood um it was two two blocks from where I lived my mum had gone there my sister had gone there um you know it was just a lot it had a really high indigenous population I think it's their um percentage is usually like 30 to 40 percent um so it's just a much better fit for me than than the first school I'd gone to which was kind of in the posh area of town um and going back to school and kind of engaging more in a bunch of different things didn't really help me other than getting an ATAR Hmm. um I guess it kind of helped me in like the social side of it you know I was getting really good friendships and and all that but in terms in terms of um my learning honestly I think um you know, I was back to where I was before, like not really engaging a lot, um, having low expectations placed on me. Like uh, it wasn't as bad as before, but they were, they were still present. And I just knew that I, I wanted more than that basically. So, you know, I kind of realized, okay, well, I'm not really learning what I want to learn here, but I, the only place I can really do that is uni. Um, so I stuck around, tried to get an ATAR. I got one. It was really bad. Um, 
but you know there was family stuff happening that that year as well I was homeless for a bit and it was just a it wasn't the best time to be honest um but then when I I got into uni you know at no point had I had I really thought oh this is the path for me you know I want to go down mass I just enjoyed it when it did come into my into my life um so you know I just kind of went into uni went into a very broad um bachelor of arts degree at the university of newcastle um and tried a few things out and it, it was through that that i kind of rediscovered maths stumbled across it again and you know same excitement came with it and i was like oh why don't i just do that like you know i feel like i i've been fighting for so long to get <laughs> access to it um and that, that told me something, you know, and when I rediscovered it, it was like, I don't know. It was like, oh, finally I get to do this. Um, and so I was like, what? yeah, like, why don't I just make that what the path I go down? Um, and so I did, I, I enrolled into bachelor of science, bachelor of maths, um, majoring in physics and pure maths. And, and the physics was really kind of, just something at the start, it was, it was a huge part of the motivator. You know, I really wanted to, I was amazed by it. I'd never seen it before going to uni. Like I was never exposed to that at school. Um, yeah. I have no and, idea what, when, when someone says physics, I'm just like, okay, I don't know yeah, what that means. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I think my perception of it before doing my own investigation into it was that it's really hard. Only boys can do it. And those boys need to come from like pretty good families. You know, they've been set up for that. Mm. Um, their, their parents are probably like their, their dad's probably like a pilot or like, yeah. <laughs> they've got money. They're white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was kind of the perception I had of it. Cause that, that's what I saw at, at my school, I guess. Um, and so when I started engaging with it, I was like, oh, wow, this is like literally the coolest thing ever. Like we can study the universe. Yeah. Like that's amazing. So is that what um, physics is? The study of the universe? It, it's a study of the processes. So looking at how things work, how oh. they're doing, okay. um, you know, we have, we see the outcome. How did that outcome happen? How, can we measure that? Can we? Um, well, that sounds yeah. really interesting. That doesn't yeah. sound scary. That sounds like I can see that being fun. But you're right. Like, I hold those same perceptions. Like, it's just white dudes doing really confusing stuff that I probably couldn't do. But, like, even saying that out loud, my adult ears are like, why would you think that? That is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But the ideas are there, you know? Like, the. Cause... It's not just an idea, though. That's how it's implemented that's how yeah. it's how it is in yeah. you know currently a lot of us are trying to change that but still today like in this country that that's how it is and historically that's how it has been so yeah yeah there, there are definitely reasons for that it's it's and it, it it comes across in so many ways um and so many different social cues that we're given as kids both both girls and boys you know yeah um, you do this and, you know, boys do this, girls do that. Um, yeah, and it's only kind of recently that we've been able to look at that a little bit closer and question that, I guess. Yeah, um, well, I mean, we know that in, like, an education space that it's so ingrained and built in in 
the hidden curriculum. So even when you open a textbook, it's males, white males wearing the lab coats, um, you know, in the same way that men are doctors, women are nurses. And we know that these cues in the same way they're given for race are given for um, wealth, privilege, status, and what careers are appropriate. Um, And so it is very interesting then. Wow. More than interesting, it's fantastic that people like yourself are bringing a bit of profile to it to the point that, you know, you would come on my television one day talking about being an astrophysicist and totally my daughter saw herself in you, not even realizing how much she had in common down to being Gomorrah and living on a Wabakal land. So that's amazing. And and then, so you did this very awesome sounding double degree in maths Mm -hmm. and um physics physics and (laughs) then you went because now what are you doing yeah so did the degree loved it you know at the start it was really shaky it was really hard like I was going into this this degree that I had no background knowledge in I had spent a good two months trying to teach myself year 12 maths and physics before it um but you know two months to learn you know 24 months worth of content by yourself with only free resources. (laughs) It wasn't glamorous. (laughs) Um, Scrappy, but you got it done. (laughs) Yeah, I got it done. Like I got through it. Um, By the end, you know, I was smashing it and and just loving it and and really engaging with it. Um, And then towards the end, you know, I started getting a little bit of, I was doing a lot of freelance, um, psychom stuff. Yeah. Um, so science communication, I've been working as a science communicator for a few years. I, um, I was actually doing amazing in that world at the, at the time I was, um, really high up in a science engagement program out of the university of Newcastle. I was, I was doing so much work for them. I was hiring people, training people, how to, how to do it. Um, you know, all, all this really cool stuff traveling around Australia. Um, and that was starting to generate a little bit of a profile, um, for me, you know, as, as a science communicator and with that profile, I, um, I, you know, lots of opportunities were coming my way and I, kind of, I was introduced into the world of indigenous astronomy. Um, and what I, what I mean by Indigenous astronomy is like the academic research of um, astronomical knowledge embedded into Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. Um, and so that was kind of how I was introduced to the world of astronomy in general. Um, now, I definitely experienced, you know, um, astronomical aspects of our culture before that, but I had experienced experienced it in a cultural context yeah so um you know from specifically from um knowledge holders yeah people in community um so then different language sorry so then it's spoken about in different language Yeah, yeah yeah exactly um which is completely different to you know the the academic study of that um and so um, you know, there were just all these kind of worlds coming together. I started doing a lot more um, 
research into Indigenous astronomy, astronomy um, you know, the academic approach to that, started working with um, some researchers in that area. So um, Dr. Dwayne Hamaka is, is probably most notable for, you know, all his work and contributions to that field. Um, and, you know, that, that honestly introduced me to the world of astronomy. Yeah. <laughs> um, in my physics degree, you know, we didn't really do a lot of that. It was, it was a lot more um, just different focuses. And I guess through that, you know, I had this background in physics and maths and um, wanted to get back into uni. I was working at this point, so I'd already graduated and I was working for about a year and a half and that was really cool. I was a program manager um, for the Indigenous STEM Awards out of CSIRO and, you know, created the pilot program for that. And it, it was an incredible job and feel incredibly blessed. I felt like Santa, to be honest. I was Aww. just like <laughs> acknowledging for, you know, all these amazing people for all their amazing contributions. Um, so it was really cool, but I knew that I, I wanted to use this, these degrees that I had done. Like I was, I was craving it. I was craving to solve problems. Um, so I ended up going back, well, you know, trying to figure out how to get back. Um, and you know, the, the opportunity at ANU just kind of come up. Um, there were a lot of people involved in getting me here because <laughs> I was quite reluctant to leave Newcastle. <laughs> I love it there. It's a beautiful place. Um, and so, you know, I had built up my, my little family there and my yeah. community and really didn't want to leave. But, um, you know, had some, some people looking out for me, trying to, you know, pile the way for me. And um, I ended up, I ended up coming here and no, no regrets. You know, I love Nui, but I can always go back. That's true. Um, and I think, you know, what, what I've kind of achieved now is like I, one of the things I'm most proud of. So, um, you know, I, I come and did a master's of astronomy and astrophysics um, out of the research school of astronomy and astrophysics. Um, so we're based on Mount Stromlo. I finished my thesis, I think, oh, it's such a blur. I think it was about a month and a half ago. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I got my results today, um, which I have turned out to be, like, beyond what I would have ever expected. Oh, that's um, wonderful. I for the research. <gasps> yes! Like, mind-blowing beyond my expectations completely. Well done, um, Carly. And so, yeah, you know, this was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to have have a really good go at, you know, what get a taste, I guess, of what my life could be like, um, you know, as a researcher in this field. Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. And, you know, just so happy that I could do it, um, kind of put my all into it. You know, we get distracted a lot. There's lots of things that come our way which is a blessing but you know also takes us away from yeah. what our goals are and you know doing this was definitely my goal and has been for a while so yeah definitely keen to get back into it to be honest that's amazing congratulations thank you that is that's so exciting so you're about to embark on a phd now yeah yeah so next year um should be 
good to go. I'm taking a little bit of a break just to, you know, reclaim my thoughts and yeah. be a be a human for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Being a student is a whole different lifestyle. So, um, and you know, the, there are other obligations that I have that I just need to take care of before I commit to something like that. So, yeah going to have a little bit of space but then get back into it. That's wonderful. As someone who's more than halfway through my PhD now, it, um, I, I like it when I hear when I hear mob saying that they're going to take that break between their masters and the PhD because it's three to four years depending on where you do it and they're intense years and you're expected to publish and to really start setting yourself up in those ways, which is slightly different to the part before it. You know, I've, I've, I found quite a difference between my master's and my PhD and it's, um, it's wonderful, but it's this whole new period of stretching and growth. And, um, mm. I think for your mental health, um, cause I know a few people that are in your position right now, we have so many amazing first nations, mob coming in not not even just young mob like some of them are older than me in age but they're new to the academy and they're they're in that break period between the master and the phd so i can't wait to see you know 2024 perhaps the um the the amount of mob crossing the phd stage wearing them fluffy hats is going to be deadly absolutely it's so exciting so could you tell us briefly what does it actually mean to work in astronomy and astrophysics? So I imagine that you look through a big telescope a lot um, and draw on a whiteboard. <laughs> okay, well, we do draw on whiteboards. You can't see. There's one behind me. Um, definitely lots of drawing, lots of notes, lots of scribbles. Um it's different for a lot of people, depending on where you are, what field you're in, what type of research you do. So my master's was um, kind of a bit different. It was it was a mixture between observational and theoretical. And it generally, astronomy and astrophysics is, is either observational or theoretical. So observational is, like you said, you know, you're observing, you're looking through telescopes, not, you know, not with your eye. There's no eyepiece on these telescopes. They're too big for that, usually through, um, you know, some software and a computer interface. Um, and you're looking up into the sky and you're looking at different objects and you would collect that data and do some science on it, do some um, analysis on it to some degree. Um, theoretical is a very mixed bag it could involve um you know running simulations it could be um trying to understand some fundamental um laws or um you know it, it really is quite diverse um but for me i was looking uh I, I was mixed so i was looking at observations and i was using observations um but trying to um, test a model and refine a model that can tell us properties um, of these particular objects. So it's very, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, you know, that we know the night sky and we know it really well. In all honesty, I'm a terrible amateur astronomy uh, astronomer, and that's what we call it. So when you, you know, you are you are familiar with the night sky and you. Um, are familiar with the, the constellations and, and everything we can kind of see and all the different um, 
effects that we have in our night sky, we usually call that amateur astronomy. And it's a terrible name for it because these people are incredibly, you know, switched on with this stuff. And it's something that is completely outside of what I do. Um, I, I would love to know more about it and to get better at it. But yeah, that's, that's a very different world to, um, doing astronomy or astrophysics and even those two terms you know they're completely different styles of work so astronomy is is kind of um you know you could be looking at a bunch of objects or a bunch of galaxies um and you know trying to determine a property that can connect them or um something like that that that's kind of like an astronomy more astronomy approach whereas astrophysics is really getting into the um, the fundamental laws of like, why, why are we seeing this? Why is it doing this? What, what is determining these motions or this effect? Um, and so that, that was very much where my project was. And so, but yeah, there's, it's, it's such a, um, varied world of, of different things you could be doing at the core of it. I would say across all the different projects that the commonalities would be coding we spend a lot of time coding um, and I love it. I think it's, it's so fun, honestly, like after spending so many years doing maths by hand to then realize that there's this amazing tool <laughs> that I could have been using that could do all my maths for me. <laughs> um, it's great. It's fantastic. Um, and the other part of it would be, yeah, just really solving problems, analyzing data, um, and communicating our, our work that's that's a really big part of it too not just communicating in um you know telling people telling the public what we're doing but also being able to commute communicate really well with our colleagues and our peers um and our institutions so it's quite multifaceted <laughs> it sounds really exciting i think i'm reflecting on the knowledge i had before i entered the academy and then even after I had left having, you know, gotten a couple of degrees, it never occurred to me that doing the things that you're talking about was a job, you know, that you could be paid to think about things, that you could be paid to analyse and to collect. And, you know, there you think about how, how we're exposed to people who have really intense hobbies, who are collectors, you know, there's shows dedicated to these things, but actually, uh, and we accept that that's, passion driven that people put all this money and time into their collections and to you know learning about things like you know vintage toys or special cars or whatever but actually that same kind of thinking that passion and the desire to collect the information and to get to know it intimately and to build that body of knowledge exists as a job and it was for me it was when I met my partner who's an architect and he loved architecture like he's obsessed it's you know if we're on holiday and he he's you know not working he's reading architecture books and philosophy books that relate to architecture and and I was just like okay people can love their jobs um and it wasn't long after that that I ended up getting asked to do a a short-term RA research assistant job and when I was in it, when they explained to me what I was going to be doing, which was going and interviewing, so having conversations with people, and then we all get together and we analyze what they said, like, isn't that, isn't that what we all do anyway? Like, isn't that just called <laughs> life? 
you know? And then I, I remember thinking like, oh, well, two of the things that I think I've had said the most to me my whole life is that I could talk with a mouthful of marbles underwater because I just love to talk to people. And, right. And, um, and that I overthink things. Well, apparently <gasps> that's a job and it's called being an academic. <laughs> and so when, when you're talking to me about what, what astronomy and what astrophysics actually are, I'm like, that sounds really interesting. And, and I think that kind of knowledge, you know, in childhood and in my youth, if I'd known that that could be an objective, then I think I would have paid attention. I think I would have looked up at the stars more. You know, it's this idea of what actually exists, that these things exist. And and so it's so exciting to to hear about it and to be able to have this yarn with you and, um, you know, share that with people. So, yeah, you... I think it's mysterious as well, right? Like the, there's yeah. a little bit of mystery attached to science. Yeah. Um, it's like, what do they really do? It's kind of like... It's kind of like magic, but it's better than magic because it's yes. real or whatever. And um, magic's awesome. <laughs> like, I'm very into magic shows. So, like, yeah, I, but it's, I it's feel you on that. It's like never communicated in a way where it's like, oh, this is accessible. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. instead, it's like, no, this is only for really clever people and we don't go into it too much because you wouldn't be able to understand. Yes. <laughs> and this is how we define clever. And it's yeah. actually very Eurocentric and relies on standardized testing and excludes everything you've ever been taught by your family. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but things are changing, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, the people that I'm talking with on this podcast, the podcast was born out of, you know, having great conversations with people at conferences or, you know, yarning with people and then just being like, what they're telling me is so interesting and definitely would have impacted my life um had I known it earlier and still has the potential to impact my life going forward and so I thought I need to find a way to share this with people outside of the academy because this is delicious and it's gold and I think it's really valuable um because you're right it is mysterious even being an academic I didn't even know that was a job even after I had done a degree it didn't occur to me that I could be welcome on the other side of the lectern um and so I kind of consider myself like an accidental academic but I know how common that is Mm. so like amongst mob who become academics so do you intend on being an academic with your PhD in all honesty it's it's been the goal since the start um like I I love teaching I I enjoy it so much and I get so much you know value out of it um and fulfillment out of it but I never saw myself um necessarily in a traditional teaching role and I'm not really sure why like I've spent so much time in schools I've been going into schools since 2011 and um you know I've seen thousands and thousands of kids um and love it but but never, never considered to be a teacher. And I, I honestly can't answer that. But I always really saw myself. Um, well, I didn't see myself, but I could really. I don't even know. Like I guess imagine it. Like it was, it was something that would make me kind of shy to think about because, you know, it's not something that is really has ever really been expected of me or anyone I know to be honest yeah um but it was an exciting thought it always really excited me and you know I think it kind of came to me in my first year when 
um, you know, I was feeling really isolated and really, um, I don't even know, like just, just anxious, I guess, in my classes, like in my first year physics classes, you know, the, the size is like 200 kids. Um, and you know, the majority of boys, um, doing engineering and, you know, they all still live at home. And by this point I had been independent for two years and, um, you know, even, even without being independent, um, you know, I was just, had always just had a life that required me to be a little bit more mature than my age. And, um, and then, you know, the, the people lecturing are kind of just grown up versions of the people I'm sitting next to. And like, it was just this really, um, intimidating place to be and I would try and make myself as invisible as possible which is just not going to happen when you're one a female um and two quite alternative and you know has an appearance that draws attention anyway um and so it was just kind of this yeah just this really awkward thing and I was like oh imagine you know, being in a learning environment where you could connect with your, your teachers and they, and I had had that experience in the past at my previous school. I had an amazing ancient history teacher who just changed my world and changed my view on what teachers could be. And, um, you know, she supported us. And I thought, imagine if you could have that at Yuki. Imagine if you could have that as a girl in science. Um, and you know, I just thought, well, maybe I could do that one day. Um, and that's pretty much been the goal since. So, you know, but with that being said, I'm, I'm very, I'm very flighty. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I like to do lots of different things. I like to learn new skills. I like to be all over the place. I like to know new things. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a goal, but I don't know, and and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not knowing what what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Um, so tell me, what's your favorite part about being a black academic? Because I mean, you're a baby academic at the moment, anyway. Like, I hope you don't mind me using that phrase. I was called a baby yeah. academic yeah. early on in my early career academic thing, and I just thought I'm going to embrace it. I don't know if they meant it kindly, but I'm going to claim it. <laughs> absolutely you know I call myself a baby scientist all the time um that's that's very much like I've only had a very brief taste of it so I did my master's as I said um over three years I did it like a little bit part-time um and so you know I'm I'm nowhere near that stage yet you know I've still got a whole PhD to do um so I, I can really accept that I think even baby scientists is being generous um but I think coming back to to your question what is my favorite thing about being um a black academic I, I guess that's that's two sided right like what's my favorite thing about being an academic and what's yeah. my favorite thing about identifying yeah um you know being an original person in the in that space I think in terms of of being in this world of, of academia and, um, you know, setting that self as a goal. I think the best thing about it is what 
what it's done for my family and my community even. You know, my mum is just so freaking proud of me. <laughs> and and it brings us so much joy, like like all all these amazing things that, that come my way and all these amazing opportunities and all these things, you know, these awards that I'm nominated for and they're all amazing, but um so much of it is is because I know my mum, like how much that stuff means to my mum. Yeah. And and so really that that's such a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, well they understand those awards, right? Like so you and I were both recipients of awards in the same umbrella of awards. So we both won <laughs> Women's Agenda Leadership Awards um, this year. And it's people who haven't been part of the Academy might not understand exactly what, you know, your thesis defense is or what yeah. writing, you know, a thesis entails, but they understand an award. They understand, yeah. they understand these milestones and markers and it, and it makes it more consumable for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I took my mum to, um, I was nominated for a Eureka Prize and I took my mum and she was just beside herself. <laughs> like, and you know, I, I was nominated, I didn't win. Um, which, you know, is, is actually amazing because the person who won was totally deserving of it. Yeah. And just being a part of that experience and being able to bring my mum along and, you know, we're sitting in this room full of the best scientists in this country. Yeah. Um and she was just so happy and so proud and it was just really awesome to share that with her. And I think, you know, more than that, like having that level of representation back home and and knowing that you know and you know I go I go back as often as as I can and just just letting those the kids there know that you know there are so many options right yeah I I don't ever expect everyone to be like oh you know I'm gonna go in and be an astronomer or you know be a physicist or be a mathematician like that was that was the thing that I was really into and that that fueled me um but that that isn't the point the point is you can you can choose your path and it can be whatever like I chose literally the hardest freaking thing ever (laughs) yeah yeah Um, no totally like it is like, yeah, <laughs> without you know, your mum and dad don't don't have those. So you can't just be like, oh, pop. How do I, you know, tell me who's the best physicist for this particular question? Like, oh, yeah, no, totally. No. 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 <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that's you know being able to share that with people and you know whether that's taken as inspiration or whether that's taken as you know just a bit of a perception change even. Yeah. You know, oh, maybe girls can do math, maybe girls can do science. You know, yeah. whatever it is, um, they they've been been the most significant things for me and what I've taken from it. Um, yeah, how it how it's kind of impacted my family. Um, in terms of a black academic, oh goodness, I feel <laughs> I feel like it's it's a you know you gifted a family like. Because I think we we all kind of face similar things and we all kind yeah. of have to deal with the the feelings of isolation within our workplaces and yeah. um, because there's not many of us, right? And, yeah. you know, we're, 
so many people want something from us, whether yep. it's giving, you know, an acknowledgement or a welcome at the start of yep. a meeting or whether it's getting your input on something or advisory panels, committees, sorry? advisory panels for their grants. <laughs> yeah. Like you supporting their grants. Um, you know, the, the list is honestly endless as I'm discovering as I progress yeah. more and more throughout yeah. my career. Um, and so having this family of people who, who get that, but they also get the other things as well, right? They get um, the language you use and they get, yeah. you know, why you live the way that you do, you yeah. know, why you go on a thousand rants about the environment every yeah. day. <laughs> yes. You know, they get that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in, in the world of academia, you travel a lot and you, mm. you know, I... The, the fact that I'm I'm not still living in Tamworth or Newcastle is crazy because I am such a homebody. Like I, you know, I dig my roots in and just let them grow, and and I don't I don't leave, and I need I need the family around me, and I need that sense of community. Like that drives me so much. Um, and you know, when you're moving every few years, you you lose that. Yeah. You, you gain it, and then you lose it. Um, so, you know, just having people where we're connected all across the country or across the world, really, yeah. um, you know, it just kind of take, takes me back to that, that home feeling. Oh, that's so beautifully put. That's, yeah, I love that. Um, so I, um, in the lead up to creating this podcast, I asked Twitter what they would like to know from Black Academics everywhere. Uh, and the following two questions come from that thread. So at Alib88 asks, how do you see academic endeavour being of tangible benefit to our communities? I think, I think it's, um, you know, we were colonised over 200 years ago. We now live in this country um, or what's left of it and we need to move forward. You know, we need to um we need to figure out what's what's the best for us and what's the best for this land and we you know that's just another level of influence we can have in these spaces you know we can make informed decisions on that on on our progress and where we are going as a society um you know, in, in that space, you know, if you're in academia, you, you kind of, you know, you don't get complete freedom, but with it, you know, you enter it with your values and, and, you know, what you've been taught is important. Um, and we need that more than ever. We need Indigenous values in, in these spaces more than ever. You know, for a long time, we've only valued the material and, and that's really gotten us in a bad place as a society. Um, you know, I think it's time that we start prioritising the immaterial and the spiritual and um, our connection and our connection to each other and our connection to the land and that's important. Um, that's what's going to get us through. And so I think 
you know, bringing those values into any space, not just academia, but absolutely any space. Academia is is important because we are so underrepresented, underrepresented, sorry, underrepresented. Um, and, you know, they are, it's it's such an area of, of influence as well. So, you know, it is, it is really important, um, but we need to be taking our values into every space. Yeah. Um, so... The second question is, at Naomi Warfare, you ask, how did you balance everything and get your PhD done? And you're about to start a PhD, but you have just completed a master's. And so how do you balance all of this? Yeah, so I think this is so important, hey, and something that everyone needs to think about. Like if, if you, and not just, you know, people who have busy lives, but I think this is really important for, for everyone um, in their work-life balance um don't don't neglect yourself I think that that's been the biggest thing for me you know taking care of myself and and that's in every sense of that word Mm. um you know socially emotionally financially you know you you're no good if you're stressing about how am I going to pay rent you know go earn some money (laughs) don't don't let that stress you out or take your time or your thoughts um you know, take care of yourself in every way physically. I think a big part, like I wouldn't have been able to have the impact that I've had and to have the um, the platform that I have and the success that I've had. I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't do my stuff part-time, if I didn't do my study part-time and everyone's different absolutely some people can just smash it out um and you know that that's amazing but I know that that's not me Mm. I know that I need that balance if I don't have that balance I'm a wreck and it just makes my work worse um and my goal isn't you know to be you know there are no time constraints to my goals so it's really it, the focus is not so much oh you know I need to get this done or you know um, putting yourself under those unnecessary pressures but um, just trying to do the best that you can do and you know all this other stuff you know how well you do compared to others or how long it takes you or whatever like it doesn't matter at the end like what matters is is the learning you know are you learning are you doing something you want to do and is it bringing you happiness um and yeah, just taking care of yourself. That's really lovely. There's some really good lessons in that. Thank you. So uh, the final question that I'm going to ask you comes from Scott Trindle on Twitter. And I think this is interesting because you are at the beginning of the PhD journey. And he says, how to start a PhD, but decolonially. Any thoughts to offer? Um, yeah, in all honesty, it's something that I've, I'm, I'm searching for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure that out as well. Um, it, and you know, it's an uphill battle. We, we are in these traditionally, um, very Eurocentric, um, institutions that have these very Eurocentric, um, measurements of achievement or, yeah. you know, just very different values. Um, so it's hard, right? I think, I think for me, the first step is acknowledging um, what I can and what I can't do. Like I think we have all these 
really unfair expectations on our students and people going into PhDs. So I think that's where I would first start. You know, I'm not going to work every day, every night, every weekend, every everything. That's not me. And if that's the type of student that that institution is looking for, then I don't really want to be in that institution. So I think it, it really starts with our approach um, to, you know, being being a student um and Mm. what what expectations you accept and what you don't accept um so for me that that's definitely the first part of it um in terms of the project itself honestly i you know one one aspect could be um inclusion of different perspectives right um but that's going to vary from field to field so yeah at this stage i don't really know I don't know if I'll really be able to explore that until I get into it and and kind of give it a go Um, or whether I'll really kind of (laughs) get a grasp on that. (laughs) Well, I think that first point of be mindful of the institution you go to and who your supervisors are, Um, but essentially that comes down to knowing yourself well because what you're saying about, you know, your work approach and, and timing and and what you need um I don't know how many people have that kind of self-awareness um particularly as young as you uh but that sounds like a really good place to start is understanding you know who you're marrying into when mm. it comes to your supervisory team and what the institution is and what their expectations are so I think that's you know a great start and I will love I would love to ask you that same question once you've got that floppy hat on your head and you are Dr Noon um, which I've got to say I love that your last name is Noon which of course relates to timing and the skies um, in, in the same way that Professor Chris Matthews has the word maths in his name that's yes, awesome how good is it it's so good <laughs> Oh, yeah. Honestly, I, I hated it as a kid. I love my middle name. My middle name's Winter, and it's it's an Aboriginal word um, from South Australia, um, and it means fire. And my grandma gave it to me, and I was like, oh, I feel so special <laughs> since I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is the best name ever. Um, but I always kind of hid my last name. But now that I'm in this space where it's so appropriate, I'm like, oh, I guess it's <laughs> It's very well timed. Who knows how much that influenced you in the long run? Well, thank you, my deadly Bawa, for sharing your time and your wisdom and your energy and your passion for your field with us here on Blackademia. I very much appreciate it. Thank you, Amy. That's all we have time for on this week's episode of Blackademia. If you'd like to know more about Carly's work, then be sure to head to the website www.blackademia.com. And don't forget to hit subscribe and follow on our social media channels and this streaming service. Tune in next week as we say aloha with the fantastic Dr. Marlene Longbottom, who's currently working out of the lands we now commonly refer to as Hawaii. Until next week, yalu!